From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Week Ahead Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. Lawmakers cleared a surprise deal cut by President Donald Trump and his Capitol Hill nemeses, Democratic leaders Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi on September 8th, to extend government buying authority, keep federal agencies funded into December, and help the victims of Hurricane Harvey. Schumer and Pelosi touted their victory. This is a really positive step forward, and we all agreed we'd work together in December as well to avoid a default. So it was a really good moment of some bipartisanship and getting things done, no one standing in their corner. We Democrats, but we thought for the good of the country we should make the right offer, and we did. And we're very glad the president accepted it. It's for the good of the country. Does it forebode a change in strategy for the president? A new bipartisan approach? And how do Republicans feel about that? I'm Sean Zeller, deputy editor of CQ Magazine. And I'll discuss it today with two of our reporters, David Lerman, who covers the budget process, and Niels Lesniewski, our Senate reporter, who joins us by phone from Capitol Hill. Welcome, David and Niels. Thanks, Sean. So, David, give me a rundown of the contours of this budget deal. Well, what it does is, is it, it's a mega package. It combines hurricane aid of $15 billion with a stopgap funding measure to fund the government to avoid a government shutdown when the fiscal year ends at the end of this month. That's going to run through December 8. And it suspends the debt limit through December 8, which is very important because the Treasury was warning that even if they approve hurricane aid, he may not be able to spend the money unless he can borrow more money to pay for it. And the debt limit was going to expire uh, by the end of this month. So they needed to suspend that. So what this does is give them a lot of breathing room now. And it's really fascinating because we thought this month would be this chaotic marathon race facing all this fiscal pressure with the risk of a shutdown and a debt default. And in one fell swoop, They've now solved all that temporarily, uh, so they can they can take a breather. And that's one of these ongoing oddities of Washington that Congress appropriates money and deficit spending, but at the same time has to pass separate legislation to approve the country going into debt. Yeah, it's the hazard of deficit spending. If you're not going to raise all the taxes you need to pay for what you want to spend, we're running into deficits. That means if you want to spend even more money, you've got to borrow more money. And that means if you're reaching the debt limit, you've, you've got to raise or suspend that. Now, why were the Democrats so enthused about this deal? Well, because it was really their idea. The Democrats are the ones who came up with this three-month kind of stopgap plan. Republicans were pushing for a much longer deal. Democrats wanted this short-term fix of only three months to fund the government and suspend the debt limit. And much to their surprise, I think, and much to the Republicans' surprise, President Trump Went, went along with it. Precisely why, we're not sure, but he got a deal. And, it, and at a time when the hurricanes are barreling through, this way they, they don't have to worry about these fiscal showdowns right now. So do we know why Trump opted for the shorter deal rather than the longer one that Republicans wanted? I don't think that's clear um, because we, he, they haven't said much on that. Well, he's certainly I, been itching for a victory, and this this does give him a temporary victory. Sure, he got burned on health care when he couldn't get a deal on health care working just with Republicans. Now, working with Democrats, he actually got a deal through. So that may be why. 
All right, Niels, you're up on Capitol Hill. You're talking to these members. Conservatives aren't happy. What are they saying? And does their opposition to it matter? Uh, well, well, conservatives both on and off the, the Hill are, are basically saying this is uh, a worse deal than they would have gotten when uh, Barack Obama was president of the United States, that, that basically uh, President Trump uh, had agreed with uh, Pelosi and Schumer uh, full stop. The real challenge is going to be the December battle now, you know, for all the the anger and frustration among uh, the conservatives uh, in particular. The, the real fear is whether this is going to be a harbinger for something to come, whether or not Trump, Schumer, and Pelosi become sort of some sort of trifecta uh, looking, at, looking ahead at, at December. And there has been some uh, initial indication that that might be the case, that Schumer uh, may in fact uh, be in Trump's good graces at this moment, uh, and that they may try and come up with a deal to eliminate the debt ceiling altogether. Uh, who knows if that'll happen, but certainly the more that Donald Trump talks to Chuck Schumer, uh, the more problems the conservatives are going to have. So if conservatives are that angry about this, that they're contrasting President Trump with President Obama now, why are Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, and Mitch McConnell the Republican leader in the Senate, willing to bring this deal up for a vote in their chambers. They don't have to. No, they, they didn't have to. I was talking to one uh, Democratic member of Congress earlier today who basically said, you know, there's nothing in the Constitution that says when Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and, and Donald Trump make a deal that Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan have to make sure it becomes law. The question I think that's somewhat unresolved, but it does clear the decks, and maybe this wasn't the right time, uh, if you're the Speaker or the Senate Majority Leader, to be picking a fight with, with Trump and, and with Mike Pence, the Vice President. Uh, so, you know, to some extent, maybe people are keeping their powder dry for, for a future battle. Uh, there are times where Ryan and, and McConnell will probably need to to stand up to Trump, and this one just uh, wasn't really worth it. Right. This is just a three-month kick-the-can-down-the-road deal. But if, as you mentioned, Democrats were tr going to try to cut larger deals with President Trump, such as unending congressional votes on the debt ceiling forever going forward, ending the whole concept that Congress has to approve raising the debt ceiling, then Ryan and McConnell could take a stand. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you'll see that happen, frankly. I don't think there's any way the Republican leaders are going to go for abolishing the debt limit entirely, and they don't have to do that. Whereas this, this deal here, you know, they, once Trump signed on to the three-month deal, there wasn't much they could do. They don't want, the Republicans are governing, and they don't want to be responsible for a government shutdown or an unprecedented debt default. And they need Trump's signature on whatever they push through this month, and it was needed this month. So I think their hands were kind of tied after Trump agreed with the Democrats on this deal. But that doesn't mean he has free reign now, I don't think, to work with Schumer on anything he wants. Right, and there are other issues on the table that people have speculated that there could be deals between Trump and the Democrats. So back to you, Niels. What are Democrats saying on Capitol Hill? Do they think this forebodes a deal, say, on a big infrastructure spending package or tax reform? Uh, I think that they are 
bearish on on tax reform, but maybe slightly more bullish on infrastructure than they had been uh, lately. The uh, sense that I'm getting uh, in the with the people who I've talked to lately don't think uh, Democrats, at least, don't think that the uh, Republicans are going to have any better luck uh, with a comprehensive sort of tax reform bill. Uh, than they did with repealing Obamacare. Uh, but they might be able to go more of the direction of a tax cut. Uh, Republicans always like to vote for tax cuts. Uh, Trump could presumably declare victory on a on a sort of partisan uh, tax cut bill. Uh, but that might still leave space for and and apologies to everyone who's heard this a million times because this is an idea that comes up every couple of years there may still be a way to use some of the the overseas uh tax receipts uh to bring money back uh through repatriation to to pay for infrastructure i heard that again this morning for the first time in in at least a couple of months this is the concept of giving companies who've stored money overseas a temporary tax break so they could bring it back and invest it in the United States without incurring our big 35% corporate income tax. Right. And, and what we, what we uh, saw on Thursday uh, was that Schumer actually, along with a whole uh, host of Democrats and Republicans from New York and New Jersey, including uh, Andrew Cuomo, uh, and Chris Christie, the governors of the two states, were at the White House meeting with Trump about the Gateway Tunnel Project, which is this this long-delayed and on-again, off-again proposal to build another tunnel uh, for, for rail traffic uh, under the, the river between New York and New Jersey. Uh, the fact that there was even a meeting about that at the White House yesterday means maybe maybe Trump is back on the infrastructure kick. Right. And, and back to taxes, Niels. Trump made a trip to North Dakota this week at which he appeared on stage in front of a big audience with Heidi Heitkamp. She's the freshman Democratic senator. She's up for re-election, and she's very vulnerable in North Dakota, which is a state that really likes President Trump. Um, but Trump lavished praise on her. What's Trump up to? What's his angle? Trump, uh, at least for now, seems to be trying to get some sort of Democratic uh, support or, frankly, maybe at least Democratic cover for any sort of uh, tax code overhaul. When he went to Missouri the uh, other week, uh, Claire McCaskill was not with him and the Democratic senator there, and, and so McCaskill came up for for one of uh, Trump's uh, attacks during the, the speech. But, but Heitkamp made the trip. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see um, Trump make, I don't know, a trip to West Virginia and have Joe Manchin show up again, Democratic senator there as part of this, this tax push. He's clearly trying to find places where he might be able to get Democrats to buy in, but but the old, as the the old saying would be, the devil is going to be in the details because I don't think even Heidkamp or Manchin or Joe Donnelly in Indiana uh, are going to be up for a big uh, deficit boosting uh, tax cut. Right, that's what Heidkamp said. Said the devil's in the details. But she and Joe Manchin um, from West Virginia are the most likely prospects if Trump were to pick off a Democrat or two on a tax bill. 
whereas Claire McCaskill, who he said Missouri voters should vote her out of office, she's a, a less likely prospect, which may explain that difference in strategy. Um, David, I want to turn back to you, David Lerman. Um, so where do we go from here on this budget issue? They've kicked the can to December. What can we look forward to in advance of the holidays when all this comes around again? I think uh, the real showdown is now in December, and it's it, that could be ugly because now everything's on the table all at once, all over again, and we can't just do another stopgap as this was. You have to come up with the permanent deal. So the stakes are higher in December, and they get harder. And not only do you have to solve the debt limit problem and fund the government and create a final spending package, you're going to have a political showdown, I think, over Trump's border wall because he's insisting that funding get in this deal. And it's not clear whether he'd be prepared to shut down the government if he doesn't get that, and Democrats are adamant on that. So all of that comes to a head in early December, and that's going to who knows how that plays out, but it's going to be a, a heavy lift. But we're thinking there may be some action next week in the Senate in setting budget terms for fiscal 2018, which could alleviate the pressure, make that a little easier? Well, that's not clear. Uh, you know, they're trying, they're trying to start thinking about at least a bipartisan budget deal that would raise these spending caps, because... I think most people agree that unless these spending caps are raised, you're never going to have support from either side, really, on, on spending bills that will actually pass, because these spending caps are seen now as too restrictive. Republicans want more defense money. And Democrats, Democrats want, want more, more for non-defense. And so the, you're really going to have to raise both, or neither side will get its way, and, and, and you, you'll have gridlock again. So there may be inklings of talks to to make that happen. Now, if, if a bipartisan deal like that can happen in the next month or two, that really speeds the way toward a final spending deal. If they don't, if they can't get that done, then then it's hard to see how a spending deal happens anytime soon. You know, then the, then the shutdown risk becomes more real. And these hurricanes, we're expecting Congress to pony up big time to help the victims. Yes. Hurricanes seemed to focus the mind on Capitol Hill. It was amazing how quickly they could speed through this legislation this week when they have two hurricane threats to deal with. Now, the House, meanwhile, is moving forward with its own fiscal 2018 omnibus spending bill, which would cover uh, the remainder of the government. They already covered four branches, and they've got eight more they're planning to do next week. Where does that process fit into this? Uh, nowhere is the answer that mega house omnibus spending package is mostly a charade they know it won't get anywhere in the senate uh... it was written entirely by republicans with no democratic support you can't get anything through in the senate without some bipartisan support it's got to have sixty votes there you need sixty votes in the senate which means you need some democrats and so this thing will get passed probably next week and then sit and go nowhere one complication for the Democrats is that their base despises Donald Trump. So are they getting any pushback from their base voters about this deal? There's been at least some, uh, but I think that largely the, the response to the, the agreement of this, this week is people have just been sort of shocked that it came together. And so there hasn't been as much pushback as you might expect, but we are hearing uh, particularly from people who, for instance, advocate 
for the uh, the dreamers, the people who came to the United States as, as children who uh, are now facing the 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 deferred action program being uh, ended in six months' time. These are immigrants uh, who might be kicked out of the country potentially. Right, and and so so sort of the fact that the Democrats did not take a stand on this deal uh, on DACA uh, has some uh, activists uh, probably beginning to get concerned. Uh, but what I've heard, and what I heard from particularly from uh, Dick Durbin, the uh, minority uh, whip in the Senate, who is the um, leading champion of the Dream Act, he first introduced it some uh, about 16 years ago. Durbin is basically saying, we need to figure this out between now and, and December. And, and basically, when we get to that December 8th uh, window, everything is on the table. Uh, so I think that's the way that the, the Democrats are going to respond to any outcry from the, the base is, give us until December and, and we'll see you then. Right, and Pelosi clearly had this on her mind. We made it very clear in the course of the conversation that pr priority was to pass the DREAM Act, uh, that we wanted to do it in the Obviously, it has to be bipartisan. The president said he would he supports that, he would sign it. But uh, we have to get it passed, and that's a high priority. She asked Trump to tweet to the Dreamers that they were not at risk, and he did it. That's right. Uh, there, was, there were calls between uh, Pelosi and Trump and also Schumer and Trump, uh, where various reports indicate that the president sort of may have made these phone calls because he was happy with the media coverage about their deal. Uh, and during one of those conversations, uh, Pelosi uh, actually asked Trump to tweet, uh, and he did. And uh, that is, made, is far different from when um, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell tells Trump not to tweet, uh, and he tweets anyway. All right, Niels. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, David. We appreciate your always sound analysis. Thanks, Sean. Good to be here. Thank you. I'm Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One.